Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we're pretty good friends. I would say best of friends, right, Ben? I agree with everything Sammy is saying. Thank goodness. That's how our relationship really works. Um, you can find Ben's work all over the internet. Zero friction relationship. And you can, and, and, and I'm going to let him tell you exactly where to find his work. Ben, go for it. Sure. You can find my work at Car and Driver, at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, uh, the October issue of Car and Driver, what, what? and TechSpot. So... <laughs> We've got some. Uh, we've got a pretty cool car to talk about this week, Ben. I'm going to take the reins. I'm going to go for the for the early start here. I'm going to tell you that we are talking about a supercar, and one that is that is kind of interesting and kind of special. It's the Lamborghini Huracan, and it's the latest version of the Huracan. It's called the Technica. Now, the okay, important thing- I, I just yep. want to stop you right there. When you say yep. latest version of the Huracan, there yep. are conservatively. A hundred versions of the Huracan that have been released over the last five or six years. Like this is this is Lamborghini's blank slate. Like if they're like, we need to capture the attention of the media, or we need a a new driver's car, or we need something to go set a record at a racetrack. They turn. They seem to turn to the Huracan and make a special edition of it. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, essentially, I think there are over ten since its in, since its introduction in 2014. There are about. I think 12 or 11 or 12 different Huracan models. And they're kind of like iterative. Each one is slightly different than the next. And I've driven a a bunch of them. So I'm very happy to tell you that um, this latest one, this Technica is kind of, um, it's really, it's really good, man. Like it is, it is surprising how different it feels from, from other supercars that I've driven. So to put that in perspective, just before we, we started recording today, Sammy and I looked at, the Challenger and the Mustang, mm-hmm. uh, and so you said there's 12 to 13 versions of the Huracan that are available now. That yes, this is or a, that have been offered. Yes, this is a very. I don't think they're available anymore. Some of them, but this is an exclusive. Like Lamborghini is seen as kind of an exclusive model. It's very expensive. You don't see very often very many of them. There are currently, I think, 13 different versions of the Mustang out there that you can get, and there are or 14. I'm sorry. And there are 18 models of the Challenger. So yes. the Huracan is trying its hardest to get to that same level of trim level <laughs> and special editions that uh, these two muscle cars have already hit. And, and I mean, if you want to include the R8 in there, you know, that's a whole other it's a whole other bit. There. I feel like the R8. I mean, I feel like the R8 doesn't get the same level of the same level of attention from a special editions perspective. They no. have made they have made quite a few trim levels. But I feel like Huracan is like really the go-to. I don't know. Yeah. Audi, Audi is always holding a little bit back when it comes to the R8. But with Huracan, they're like, you know what? Give it the business. I mean, when it came out in 2014, the the Huracan was replacing the Gallardo and was meant to be sort of like the like quote unquote affordable supercar. I mean, it isn't affordable. It still isn't affordable. But um, the Gallardo had built up a a bit of a reputation. Um, and then the Huracan, I think, took that reputation in a whole new direction and and changed Lamborghini's fortunes a little bit. I mean, for uh, sure, you went from having a Gallardo, which was, you know, it was the affordable Lamborghini, but it was also not that great to drive on a daily basis, right? Like, yeah. the transmission and the drivetrain weren't super smooth. Um, it wasn't necessarily ergonomically friendly. Not the mm-hmm. kind of car you'd feel 
comfortable commuting in. But commuting, or even I think even on the track, it doesn't seem that that you know that fitted to you, right? But then Lamborghini left the ergonomics up to Audi, and yeah. they got this fantastic platform they were able to transform into the Huracan. And it really, like you said, it was a night and day difference. Like all of a sudden, you, you had a company that had a very friendly supercar in its lineup. Uh, Ferrari had always had friendly supercars. Mm-hmm. Or at least, not always, but at least for the last 20 years. You could go, like so, starting with probably the 360, that was a car you could get in, you could drive, and it wasn't going to beat you up. And it wasn't going to make you like question whether you could get over every single curb that you saw. Um, and you weren't going to feel exhausted at the end of your day. And Lamborghini never really had that. Not until now, I think, or uh, the Huracan, which came out in 2014. It's crazy to think that we've been looking at this car for like eight years and it, it's been getting better and better every single time. I think when it came out, it came out as this all wheel drive um, supercar. Then they released a Spider. Then they came out with a rear wheel drive version. Then they came out with like the performance oriented, performante version. I like it performance oriented, like the other ones were somehow lacking. Yeah, that's also very true. I think they were aerodynamics oriented performante versions that came in both um coupe and spider um do you, and do, then do, do you yes. want do you want to hear my 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 huracan story of course i do so the i i can't remember when it was i want to say probably 2015 or 2016 i was driving a bright orange huracan uh, from the press fleet here in montreal and it was late at night not that late maybe like 11 or midnight on montreal's main drag and i was at a stoplight and um <laughs> I hear this noise and I look over and there's another bright orange Huracan parked beside me. And the guy rolls down his window and says, excuse me, but I like the color of your vehicle. And then I hear another noise and behind him is a is a, uh, a Gallardo Roadster that is also orange. What is happening? So now there's these three these three orange Lamborghinis at a stoplight and everyone starts revving their engines. And when you have that, did you, many... ha- did you, you had to, you had to join in. Yeah. Right? So you, the, basically there's 30 cylinders of Italian slash German engineering revving its engine and it's all bright orange. And it became this like attention black hole that just yeah. sucked in the eyeballs of everyone with like a 100 foot radius. And it was really crazy and not at all planned. And we drove all the way up. This this the street was Saint Laurent here in Montreal, and it goes all the way up through the the main strip in Montreal to a highway. And uh, we we drive side by side for probably 15, 20 minutes doing this because mm-hmm. you know it's fun. And when we get to the end, there's a gas station, and he's pulling off. He wants to go get gas or something on the highway, and he leans over from his car at the last stoplight. He's like. I think you should join our club. And he gives me this card and it's like exotic car owners of Montreal. And I'm like, Oh guy, you've got me figured wrong. This is not my car. But I said, thank you. And then he drove off into the night with his, uh, his uh, Gallardo buddy. That's awesome. I thought that was pretty funny. Just like three orange Lamborghinis. What are the odds? You know, very true. What are the odds? Um, I've driven um, the the standard Huracan, the the Spider, and the Performante, and now there's a whole new generation. They're they're called like the Evo, the Evo Spider, the rear wheel drive one, a really crazy STO version, and then this Technica, which I've been driving, which is supposed to sit kind of between this really um, hardcore STO and this a little bit more driver oriented um, Evo model. So when when they when they invited me out, they said, um, and I quote, "Take all your souls to drive," 
which was a very confusing tagline. <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie that's been translated twice. Like, yeah. from from one language, from English into another language, and then back again. I Take only have all your souls to drive. I think I only have one soul. I'm not even sure about that one. Well, Halloween is coming up, so it's possible you had some souls trapped maybe in an amulet or a jack-o'-lantern that you could have brought with you. Did you bring any no. extra souls, I guess is what I'm asking. No, I, I did. I, I Man, you can't. You got to pay, like, extra luggage fees for each soul that you bring on board, I think. Wow. So I, I was worried about this. But the, the term that they used, they kind of wanted to say that the, the Huracan really um, embodies a, a variety of different, um, like, driving styles. So these Evos are really driver-oriented, um, really comfortable, or w- what they consider comfortable for the road. Um, these SCOs are more track-oriented. And this car, this Technica, is in the middle. So they kind of say it's like a blend of those two souls of Lamborghini. So, like, which like is, it's, the, yeah. it's the Huracan you could drive to the racetrack, drive on the racetrack, and then drive home, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're saying. And there's, a, there's plenty of reason to suggest that it's capable at all of those things. Um, for example, it, it uses a, you know, the, the usual massive 5.2 liter V10 that makes 730 horsepower. Um, and, um, is it rear wheel drive or all wheel drive? Sorry. So I, this is rear wheel drive. Okay. Which is, which I think is great. Which is awesome. Right? Yes. And also uh, I want to point out it's not hybrid and it's no. not turbocharged. No, it is an all motor V10. So <laughs> right away, I don't think there's a single Ferrari direct competitor. No, absolutely not. That's, um, that's and- impressive. I mean, kudos to, to Lamborghini and Audi for still doing that. For sure. I mean, I think that's the, the the gimmick here, right? And this thing revs, like, really high. Like, like 8,000 RPM. That's insane for a car that has this engine like Even that, when right? you're like, at a stoplight and there's two orange Lamborghinis <laughs> yeah, beside exactly. you, it's at 8,000 RPM. Yeah, you could, that's exactly the time to do it. They, they needed it for specifically that situation. They were like... Um, basically all of our owners really need to, they they're Huracan. They were like, but what, if you live in, in the- but what if you live in Montreal? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I really had a blast with this thing. I mean, I think that's, that was expected, but when you tell somebody you've got this, um, mid-engined, naturally aspirated 600 horsepower, Did you um, say 700? Car. No, 630. Okay. I thought 730. Sorry. Uh, 417 pounds feet of torque. Okay. And it weighs about 3,000 pounds. So it's not, like, super heavy either. And you're going to want to know how this thing kind of behaves on the track and whether or not all of that power is manageable. And and that's really interesting because Lamborghini, I think, used to present itself as being a somewhat manageable supercar because of its all-wheel drive system, right? Like, yeah, it, think- it, was, it, was, it didn't ever feel kind of raucous or out of control you know and i think that the r8 mm-hmm. is as much more so buttoned down and then lamborghini kind of opened up somewhat dynamically what that platform was capable of doing but it still never felt scary to drive to a degree yeah exactly until they started making these real drive models and i think things started changing significantly from there um now it has like a a torque vectoring uh performance traction control system it's got really good aerodynamics or so they tell me and uh, the brakes are some of the wildest brakes I've ever seen and experienced on a on a car. So the question is, how is it on the track? What does it feel like when you take your souls to drive? And I think it was really 
satisfying. This is the best way to say it. I think over better than satisfying. Over satisfying. That sounds over- like a, a tagline that would go with bring all your souls. <laughs> over satisfy all of your souls. <laughs> um I think the 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 general impression is when you have that much power going to the rear wheels in this really low slung wide um powerful car you are going to anticipate it being a bit of a handful and when we first put it out on the track we were told to do uh to drive the car in its sport mode there are three driving modes one is street one is sport and the other one is corsa which is a um track oriented mode so they wanted us to use the sport mode and they said this is kind of like the the fun mode which wasn't really descriptive enough for any of us to understand what that means is are, are is the car less fun in any of the other modes no um <laughs> can you imagine somebody you know, if you want to have fun in a lamborghini specifically put it in this mode well you know you know how we feel on the podcast about drive modes right you know how i feel specifically i i i cannot stand drive modes. especially on an exotic car that yes. should be crazy all the time although we yes. were just saying we like how much this is to how nice this is to drive normally but it should still not require – you shouldn't require pushing a button for it to get intense. It should just require pushing your right foot down, right? Yes. And that's what this sport mode really felt. Actually, it was really um, – it was it was a bit hairy at times. This car's sport mode does not intervene with the traction control or the stability settings um, until, a little, until a little bit of sliding has occurred. So it is kind of like they're – like it's not a drift mode, but it's the more drift-capable mode of these driving um, settings. So how wide are the tires? Do you know? Oh, I did. I do know, but I don't know them right now. Is that okay? That's fine. (laughs) Um, I do know. It's just more important for me to know that, you know, than to know the actual number that, you know, (laughs) why, you know what I mean? Um, I gotta get tires. You're right. I was just thinking because you were talking about drift mode. So I'm like thinking or not drift mode, but drift capable, which just makes me think about the movie Pacific Rim, where the two people who pilot the giant robots had to be drift compatible. (laughs) So it's not quite the same thing. But for the purposes of this conversation, it is. Um, The tires, I I actually I do have the I have the data somewhere. I've got to give this to you because it was uh they were oh i don't have sizes potenza race ridgestone potenza race and ridgestone potenza sports i'm sure they're designed specifically for this car indeed i've got this i've got this where are they it's okay let's move on 305s maybe valuable podcasting time ticking away (laughs) okay um anyways so i think at this point i got i got the 630 horsepower experience where the car it can feel a little um, like tough, like to, you you gotta handle it, and that's really good. You 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 have to respect it. You have to make sure that you're you're treating it on the track with respect. You're you're not just pointing and shooting, but uh, and and you're also ensuring that you're not late on any of your your inputs or too quick with any of your inputs, which I think is really beneficial for um, a modern supercar because there's a lot of modern supercars that manage all that stuff for you. They just let you hold on, essentially. Yeah, we've talked a lot about speed experiences versus driving experiences, right? And so it's it's one thing to say, I'm I'm scared uh, when you're driving a car like this, but it's another thing for it to say, um, respect this and you'll get better. And I think that's what this car really did well. After doing some laps in the sport mode, we went into the um, Corsa mode, which is a manual only mode. You have to change gears with the with the 
paddle shifters. And then the the drivetrain is a little bit more track focused now. It doesn't um, it doesn't appreciate the drifting. It wants to use that uh, that that um, vectoring that torque vectoring and ensure that you're getting some pretty slicey um, moves through the corners, which is really cool. It, that is where you feel the, the difference between a sport mode and a, and a track mode with how it attacks the corners, where one where you would put your foot in and, you know, feel the rear end kind of go, woo. And the second one is kind of like, it cuts that it cuts that in half and says, no, you want to get into this apex rather than oh, like dry, drift away from it. So how much, how much am I, am I paying to get this experience? The, the one you're um, driving? The car that I drove will cost you, I had this again. I don't know how every time I start a podcast, you know this because you know me, I'm always super prepared. I have all these I notes. I assume it's the like moment, you have, they're all over your desk, these notes. And then as soon as the podcast starts, like a wind comes in from an open window and just blows it everywhere. Like some kind of, I don't know, like 1960s style mad professor uh, yeah. kind I of always, cinematic sequence. In a digital format, it's like, um, I think I have all of these notes on like these different windows on my computer. And then the moment I start recording, I'm like, well, no more distractions. I better like close all of these windows. And all those windows <laughs> is everything you wanted to say on the podcast. Exactly. Uh, the car cost $239,000. 239. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel like, honestly, if you look at inflation and what the Huracan used to cost, that's really not that crazy. Isn't it? It's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I also need to say, like, we were driving this car on the track, uh, at Thermal Raceway, or the Thermal Club, sorry, and the instructors were driving these, um, STO models, which are supposed to be the, the track-oriented versions, and, um... You know, the first uh, couple of laps, they were telling they they give you some coaching. They tell you over a radio to tell you what to do, what you can't do, what no, what buttons to press, or here or there. Um, and then by the by the end of your time, when you're on that tr- Corsa mode, they're kind of like they sound way more impressed as to how much you've handled, how much you've grown from that first uh, lap in sport mode to where you are in that Corsa mode. And I honestly think that's only capable in certain cars that you can you can progress quickly. Um, based on how they they manage that that power. So what I what I'm trying to say is I appreciate that this car can feel crazy, but can also feel like a really capable track car, um, and can also feel, you know, really like it's pushing you to get better, to know better, and to not just let it handle all of the the difficult parts of the of the track. So this is which still... is what other other supercars like we've talked about the NSX, which or the or like the GTR that feel like they do everything for you. Right? Yes. So I guess what you're saying is this is still Lamborghini's all around best option, right? Like it hasn't yeah. been compromised. No, absolutely not. And I think they've they've gone away from the compromise that I think it used to have, which was an all-wheel drive, sure-footed um, kind of car. And then now it's just like, here's this wild thing we've made. And, and so I want to kind of put this in perspective at that price point, what two hundred forty grand, basically? Yeah. What else is out there that is uh, kind of not? I'm not going to say similar experience because we've kind of talked about how this is really a singular experience with the naturally aspirated aspect and the rear wheel drive. But w- what else is out there that is in the same price range from and is offering the same kind of performance? Okay, I'm looking up the pricing of other vehicles. I imagine that most buyers. Um, are looking at a Turbo S. A 911 Turbo S is actually more expensive. 
which I think is crazy. I would think, though, the 911 Turbo S is nicer inside than the Lamborghini. And it also yeah. has a hatch, which is useful. And it also has a fake back seat, which is useful, yeah. too. And you don't get those things in the Lamborghini, I guess. No. And it's also all-wheel drive by default. So if you yeah. wanted to use it year-round and you think you need that all-wheel drive... Then you know that's there. It doesn't have the I don't. It doesn't have the wow factor of the Lamborghini. That's for sure. It definitely has the speed factor, though, right? Like it really. Those things are super fast. Yes. But yeah. They don't make a. They don't make a scene, right? Unless there's a couple of people out there who get excited about these kinds. Of exactly. Exactly. And if you're looking on the Ferrari side, I think that the Roma is probably the closest. Have you seen Romas? They're gorgeous. Like, yeah. They're, actually, they're... Uh, a very close friend just <laughs> traded his 911 for a Roma. And um, he picked it up or it was delivered to his place last month. Um, a friend of his had it down in Florida. He's in New York. And he they did a straight-up swap. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's $222,000. Um, and it's wow. interesting. I've heard some people say that the Roma is like if Aston Martin had made a better Vantage <laughs> or something. Like just in terms of styling, they're they're very similar. Um, I think Vantage is, is the, the correct vehicle. Uh, I thought that uh, I thought that the Roma was front engine. Yeah, it is front engine. But I'm just so talking I was about that performance. The Tributo would be kind of similar if I'm, the Tributo is still being sold. I'm just talking about performance. Like okay. I think that's the most, the only Ferrari in the 200 low 200s that you okay. can get, right? And yeah. it's you know it's 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 612 horsepower. So it's the same power that you're getting from the um, Lamborghini, roughly, mm-hmm. and it has way more torque because it's turbo. The turbo V8, so it's 561 pound feet. That's like 161 more, 160 more than the Lamborghini. Yeah. Um, uh, eight speed dual clutch, and I think it's rear wheel drive. I'm not sure about that. It does 60 in like three seconds. Yeah. This, so does this. This Lamborghini is the same, it, even with rear wheel drive, which I think is crazy too. Um, what else can we be talking about at that price point? You're right. It's a, it's a very difficult. I mean, uh, there's the Portofino that- as well, but that's not really a sports car. No, no. Uh, Isn't the Portofino the replacement for the the California? I think the Roma actually has a rear seat. Ooh. Um, and I think you're right about the Portofino replacing the California. But hmm. it's weird because like the Portofino is more expensive than the Roma, but it's smaller in the back. Um, there's still a California T. Okay. Uh, you can get that, I think. Um, but uh, anyway, it's much more expensive. It's like yes. 330 grand. So that's kind of a different car. So maybe, you're, I mean, it's easy to say and see how much you're struggling at this actual price point to come across with something that is worthy of that price point and also giving you that feeling that you're you're craving at this price point too. Yeah, I, think, I think what the 911 does it gives you the performance in a manageable package, and also without making you look too crazy. I don't like, know what the, what the word is. You're like, not like attention seeking. Well, not too attention seeking. You're talking about a Lamborghini here, didn't we? Just had no. The I was talking about. I was. I was saying about the 911. Oh That's yeah, where yeah, the 911 yeah. is is, yeah. is is different. And then you look at and... Aston, Aston Martin. You know, the Vantage is only 150 grand. The DB11 is 200 grand. Um, yeah. You can get a V12 in that. But That's the one. I think that those cars are beautiful, but they're under the radar in a way the Lamborghini isn't. Yes, I feel absolutely. like the, the the Lamborghini is like you know in the first Batman movie. Where, like, mm-hmm. the Joker shows up at that art gallery <laughs> where, where, like, um, Michael Michael Keaton's um, 
version of Bruce Wayne is just hanging out and he has that big that big uh, boombox and he starts spray painting all of the art that's yeah. on the wall the and he's, yeah. he's dancing to Party Man by Prince. To me, that's what the Lamborghini is when it comes into, you know, a parking lot or pulls up beside you at the light. It's like that level of ostentatiousness. Yeah. And I, I don't think Aston Martin has that same type of um, reputation. I think even Ferrari has less of that reputation. I think the Ferraris are more understated. For sure. Um, but that's, that's, I, I don't know. I, now maybe I've got, I've like my, you know, you, we, do, we do this stuff and we drive so many cars. I think you, my personality originally on the track, uh, sorry, on the road, I would want something that was a little bit more understated, something that doesn't draw too much attention to myself. But now as I get older, I'm appreciating these, these cars a little bit more and more what is happening to me Ben? i'm saying that as you get older and you start losing a little more hair it's normal to want a ostentatious car or maybe to start wearing some gold chains and buy a corvette sammy oh no you're right i have been thinking about those corvettes let's talk let's talk about the corvette though because the corvette Mm -hmm. is significantly less expensive than this than this huracan Especially this new Z06, right? Or Z06. Even if we don't talk about the Z06, if we we talk about if we talk about the the standard version of the Corvette, we talked about the Z06 in the last podcast. I know. Um, but if we talk about the regular C8, I'm willing to bet that on a racetrack, it's very similar in terms of performance to the Huracan, and it's it's like I don't know how a hundred thousand dollars less, a hundred fifty thousand dollars less. Yeah, it has to be. So, um, I was curious about this. Yeah. One one last thing. It looks as crazy as the Huracan does. I think you're right. I was curious about this, and some of the guys that were on the drive program said that they just come from the Z06 program the the week prior, and they compared the two cars as a scalpel to a sledgehammer, saying that the Lamborghini was far more um, accurate feeling and responsive and direct compared to the to the Corvette. Which I that is a that is something that I would not have expected. That feels so, very much like journalist speak to me. I don't know. Like that's <laughs> that feels like branding. Um oof. Yeah, that's true. Very I don't true. know if I can get behind that kind of analysis from from these folks. Exactly. That's not those aren't my words. Those are somebody else's, but um to me, I think you and I have talked about this. We said when we like for me when I drove the C8, the C8 Corvette its entire reason was to get to this level of performance. Yeah. And I don't think they'd flub it with with a a less responsive feeling. I mean, we've driven the C8. Nothing about it felt like a sledgehammer. I'm just going to put that out there. If you want to apply that term, then maybe a vehicle like the C7 ZR1 Blue Devil, you know, or sorry, the C6, I think it was. Uh, was it the C6? The one that was a little too powerful that you couldn't actually drive quickly because it was just too scary. <laughs> I, I remember the ZR1 being a handful, man. Like, that was that was intense. You needed the right... You, your tires need to be in perfect condition for that car. <laughs> um, but, like, it's always exciting to talk about these cars. I, I really do like supercars. I know a lot of guys in our industry really dislike talking about supercars. They say that they're they're boring. They're not interesting anymore. I mean, and I I'm, get that from I, the idea of of like they're unattainable. They're unobtainium. And I'm I'm on record as not being a big supercar fan simply because they were so unobtainable when I was younger that I never really had a lot of interest in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's not a it's not a slight against what they are. It's just a personal level of interest. I don't really tend towards being interested in supercars especially now in this world where um there's yeah. so much focus on straight line speed and top speed yeah. and and the the use of hybrid d- drivetrains to get there and really kind of dulling the i don't know the idea that it's also a driver's car i think that this lamborghini avoids a lot of that 
Mm-hmm. Um, still... I think that's where I was getting to. I think when there was an era of supercars um, where we would drive them and come away a little disappointed. Yes, they were capable, but they didn't feel like anything. If that's a possible, if that's a possibility, and I think now there there's automakers that are recognizing that um, that missing feeling, that missing emotion, and trying to find a way into it. And I think the Lamborghini is able to manage that balance a little bit better than some other automakers. So do you have any final thoughts on this version of the Huracan? So this is apparently the last Huracan nameplate we will see. Okay. Um, We've heard this before. Okay, hold on, hold on. We certainly heard it about the R8. Yeah. But they specifically said that they have a a new Huracan-based car coming before the, I think within a year, before they completely retire the the Huracan for whatever is next generation. It's called the Sterato. They had a, they had a concept car and it's an off-road. <laughs> Wait, an what? off-road version no. of the, yeah, where they've increased the ground clearance by a whopping two inches. That was a bit of sarcasm. Sorry. Um, and uh, a wider wheel track, uh, a wider um, track. They've got uh, big old 20 inch wheels with off-roading tires. And I, they showed this concept in, in 2019. Uh, and this, they think they're they're actually going to put this kind of vehicle into into production. And that's it, super it, confusing to me. And also, why? it's very sad that the Huracan, which is as close to a driver's car as Lamborghini currently has, is going to be replaced by a faux crossover. No, no, not replaced. This is their last. This is their last push of the uh, of whatever the Huracan platform and engine and and dynamics will be like. Okay. This is the last bit here, which I think is is fun. It's their way to it. It seems like Lamborghini is kind of like is having fun with it, which okay. I think is cool. Well, I'm glad someone is. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad that somebody is. That's great. Um, yeah, but I think that's it. That's all I wanted to talk about because it was um, it was a surprise to me because I've driven some Lamborghinis and I've driven some vehicles and I've always said, you know, it's all wheel drive. It feels a little heavy. You can feel it in the corners. Um, you know, the aerodynamics of the of the Performante were really impressive, but you need to feel it on the track to be impressed. And then you put all of these things together, and then you get this rear-wheel drive version of the car, and then you put it on the track, and you're like, wow, there's there's a lot to respect here. Um, and something that I was not anticipating. So I, I was I was pleasantly surprised here. So if, if anyone out there wants to reach out to us with their own thoughts and feelings and ideas about supercars, whether they're good, bad, or interesting, or boring, um, the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can find a form there where you just write out your secret wishes, click submit, and it goes directly to our inbox. Alternatively, you can reach out to us on social media. I am at Hunting Benjamin on uh, Instagram. Sammy prefers the cesspool that is Twitter. He is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Or you can also email us the old-fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. And um, beyond that, we also want to um, suggest that you subscribe to the podcast. You can do that through the website or your podcast client. And if you want to support what you've listened to today or in previous episodes, or you want to preemptively support the next episode, you can go to our Ko-Fi page. That's ko-fi.com slash unnamed automotive podcast. We recently got a really good tip from listener AEC, who said that the uh, the podcast is one of his highlights. Um, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, thank you love, very much. We love making it 
for that reason. We love making sure that you guys have a good time. And we love uh, hearing that you love it. It makes us feel good. Uh, and I also like Sammy's idea of preemptively supporting the podcast. Like the idea that like you could send us some a tip on Ko-Fi to not talk about something. <laughs> like no more EVs or something like that. I'm not uh -oh. suggesting you do that because I know that we would suddenly – uh, it would be flooded with requests, but uh, yeah, that's true. Sammy, um, what are you driving next week? I'm not driving yet, but I am going to go and take a look at the. I'm going to the global reveal of the Polestar Three, which is an all-new electric SUV oh, that wow. you definitely don't want me to talk about. Okay, does it? <laughs> so we've had the Polestar One, we've had the Polestar Two, we've had like that's the, the. Is the three going to look exactly like the two, but with more ground clearance, a la Lamborghini? <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you when I see it, um, okay. but I'll also have the opportunity to interview a number of key um, members of the of the company, including designers and engineers, and hopefully get um, a good idea of where Polestar is heading now that it's onto its third model, um, and we can see whether or not they 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 think they're going in the right direction and how they're going to get there. And I'm going to be driving a Scat Pack Challenger. So that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Very much so. And uh, looking forward to talking about that. I can't wait to talk to you about that, Ben. And I can't wait for all of you guys to listen. So take care and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.